This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to be introducing Eva Ford, who I don't really, really know yet, and I will be about to meet her. She was introduced to me by one of my past podcast guests, Sasha Raskin. So I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it's so great to be here, and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell tell everybody, tell me, because uh, I don't know anything, yeah. you know. So I will tell you, Eva wanted to prepare for this, and I said I don't want to prepare for this. I know that sometimes I come with a little bit of background context. I wanted to make this blank. I no regrets. I hope you yeah. you won't be you won't regret this let's, either. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. No, you'll everybody. be great. You'll be great. <laughs> well, and you know, here's the thing. I I wanted to not so much prepare because I I show up and I connect. Right. But what I, you know, what's important to me in, you know, the whole goal of, you know, what you do, your mission is about the self-care. Right. And so for me, there's no better self-care, I guess, or meaning in life than connection. And so it was really not even so much to prepare for the podcast, but just to really connect with you, because I always want to make sure that the people that I engage with in life you know, whether it's at the grocery store or, you know, on a podcast, but you know, that there's some, either some sort of meaning or, or that it's just not meaningless. You know, yeah. I, I well, never I... want to leave people with like, Oh, I could have, I could have had a V8 as opposed to meet Eva, <laughs> you know? So, so I will say you're highlighting my shortcoming. Um, I guess, <laughs> I guess in the context of trying to be a, like a hustler in so many different ways, it's, it's yeah. extraordinarily impossible to carve out too much time. But at the same time, I think you're right. And don't, I don't want this. And I want anybody who's ever been on the podcast to realize that I don't want it to necessarily be a one-time, a one-off. I want mm-hmm. to maintain that connection. So I appreciate you highlighting that because it's, it's very difficult. And I've been high, I've been, you know, interviewed by lots of people in podcasts in my life as well. And mm-hmm. like, I don't, even remember who they are almost yeah. it's like so i don't want to I, I i don't want to fall into that same trap but i know that in a way but i might be um so yeah, i appreciate you highlighting I, yeah that. i don't even think it's about necessarily remembering who people are but you know my, you know getting into the story right yeah. um <laughs> my i my story i feel like um or at least the, the part where i started to pay attention to pay attention to meaning um, was when my mom passed away and I was 10 years old and she was given eight months to live with cancer mm-hmm. and she spent um, the last few months of that when it seemed imminent that she was going to pass. She spent the last few months of that reconnecting with people who I guess, you know, there had been any miscommunication or misunderstanding or, you know, just trying to make things right. And I remember thinking as a kid, you know, I never want to have to live where I have to look back and regret. And so, um, I, I want to be intentional about how I go through life. And it's not so much that I, you know, I'm just the mother Teresa of, no, that's not it. (laughs) It's a a great, it's admittedly a very, very powerful sentiment. Um, 
And I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm missing some words here. I mean, there's a lot of ways to embody that particular sentiment. It's extraordinarily important. I think it's great okay. that you're, you, you've decided to do that. And uh, I, I, I don't want to say, oh, I could, I wish I could do it more. I love doing it. It's yeah. <laughs> <they're> just <laughs> how many hours are there the day ultimately is, is my poor excuse for that. But at the same time, again, it's such an amazing thing. And I, I totally appreciate it. Yeah, I well, I think um, what has reminded me of it or what, what keeps it in the forefront of my mind is the, um, I, I think it's come from the yoga movement where you're um, being still and you are being mindful. The, the, so like the mindfulness movement, right? Yeah. So just how mindful are we of, you know, where we are in our consciousness when we're brushing our teeth or when we're picking up the phone for an unexpected call or when we're interacting with that person at the grocery store, like, are we mindful of how, how we're, you know, walking through the world? Right. And, um, again, don't always get it right. But I think, especially in this climate that we're in now, right. It's, it's, you know, it's important to, I think, be mindful of, you know, how we show up and, not only how we show up, but what's going on for other people. And for me, it's important to give everybody a break because I feel like everybody's doing the best that they can right. with the, the experiences they, that they have. Right, and, right. Um, you know, I, I know you want to hear about my story, so yeah. I'll, I'll just tell you. Well, wait, wait, a, before you do, where oh, before you share your story, okay. t- tell, tell us where you, you're physically located right now. And I mean, what you uh-huh. do. And then and then you can make the four answers story. How about that? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So. Physically, I at the moment of this um, recording, I am in West Palm Beach, Florida. However, by the time you publish it, I might be in Atlanta. I might be back in New York. I um, I'm nomad. coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm coming from um, living in Jamaica for the last 15 years. I've got some Jamaican roots, and my um, my uh, master's degree is in international social work and so I went to Jamaica to you know get my feet wet for a year or two but that was now almost 16 years ago and the pandemic is what's kind of brought me back to the states and since being in the states I have well I'll say prior to coming to the states I wanted a lifestyle where I could be any you know wherever I wanted to be whenever I wanted to be there and um I had not been able to to experience that lifestyle until I've come back to the states now and just had the fortune to be able to, you know, travel and see family that I haven't really spent time with over the last 15 years and eat great food and just, you know, keep going further south and stay warm. So <laughs> that's that's what's well, good going for you. On. I grew up yeah. I grew up in Hollywood, Florida, so not so oh, far from cool. West Palm. My yeah. parents my parents are actually um, in Boca, so. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, right down the road. Basically, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, oh, what was the next question? Oh, yeah. So what are you doing? What's your life like right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and then make that for into your story. Like f- career, career-wise, if it's especially if it's on like a, in an unlikely trajectory, how that all come about? Yeah, so, you know, I... I think one of the things I appreciate about growing up, being a grown up now and being an adult, adulting, <laughs> is that 
you know, when I was younger, I used to think that people were just kind of one dimensional and you have a career and that's who you are and that's what you do forever and ever and ever. Amen. And one of the things I recognize now, not only in myself, but in others, is that we as humans are, are so dynamic. And, you know, your accountant can also be a prolific painter, you know, in their off, in their off time. Or, you know, your, you know, the person that helps you do your hair could also maybe have, you know, millions of dollars in investments. Like, you know, I just think it's just so amazing. So for me, my story, for the most part, it, it may sound like it's just one track, but I've had many different interests. And what I mean by that is that um, I've got a bachelor's and a master's degree in social work, and I got the bachelor's after not knowing what the heck I wanted to do with my life. Um, and so I did two years of college with no got no direction, and then I had a cousin that said, you know, you should go to go, you know, uh, be a missionary. I went to this Christian college, be a missionary, and I ended up doing that um, and going to Taiwan. I was there for a year. And when I came back, I had figured out that I wanted to help people. And um, so I did my bachelor's in social work. And then, you know, because I'm from, uh, originally I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, very, I don't know if it's a small town, it's really growing now, but. Yeah, I've um, heard, you've heard, once you've heard of it, it's, it's little, it's larger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And, but when I was growing up, it was very, um, so you had the black community and the white community, at least that's what I saw. Um, and I don't know if people can tell, anyway, I'm a black woman. Um, so, but I went to a black, black church, so I was very much surrounded by, you know, uh, black Christian Southern um, traditional values and norms, um, but then uh, I would go to school with people in the white community, white traditional values Christian, and and it was it was a lovely upbringing. It was very safe. I was I was sheltered. It was nice, but um, kind of getting into social work made me think, okay, there's more to life than right. just this you know, kind of just black and white, kind of everybody's getting along on the surface. And so I said, I want to do, I want to do something really radical. And, you know, at that point I had already been to Taiwan for the year. And I said, you know, I got to get the furthest from the South as I can to continue my studies. And so then I moved to New York and um, that's actually where I met Sasha. So I'm, I'm so glad I did like that was one of the best decisions in my life because I think New York is like like the song says, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Right. And yeah. it's just such a dynamic place, and um, and diversity where, is amazing. Yeah. Yes, and that that's is the best what part. I. Yes, that is the best part, and that's what I wanted and craved and loved, and that's what I got. And um, you know, so I continued my studies in social work, and I thought that that was going to be my life. I thought I was just going to be a, a social worker forever and ever. And, um, you know, fast forward, I don't know, maybe 12 or 15, 12 years or so, maybe less than that. And I had, I had burnt out. Um, I had just, you know, felt like, 
you know, like you said, everybody has a story where you know, maybe have a crappy boss or supervisor. And, you know, I was in Jamaica, developing country, no money. Plus, I had gone to this school in New York, mounting debt, and I was just done. I was done, done, done. And I ended up making some really bad financial decisions that landed me in more debt. And I was just really, like, I was... I'm sure I feel like everybody or a lot of people feel like, what the hell is this life? I was sold a bag of rocks. You know, they talk about this dream, this American dream. And when you get down to it, you're just paying bills and then you can't pay bills. And it was just really overwhelming. And um, yeah, so I got to a point in Jamaica, like I had no electricity. I had food. Like I was really, I I was... I, I was ashamed to leave my house. When I say leave my house, I don't mean um, go shopping or anything. I was, I was ashamed to like open my door and let people see me because I was like, I literally have nothing. And I just assumed that pe- people could tell that. Right. Um, and it got so bad that one day, <laughs> thankfully I was living in Jamaica, so I didn't have a heating bill. Um, but one day I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. There has to be food somewhere. I'm going to kill something. I took a knife from the kitchen and I went in the backyard. I was like, I'm going to, I don't care what moves. Like I'm going to eat something like this, this, this is terrible. And it's so funny. I had not been outside in so long. Um, like I might go out for a minute or two, but I hadn't like been in the yard for so long. And my grandmother had left me this property, but I had not been out for so long um, that I didn't realize there was a, there was a banana tree that had a huge bunch of bananas, green bananas on them. So I was like, Oh, thank God. I don't have to kill anything. I could kill this banana tree. tree. Yeah. Right. And uh, luckily I had a gas stove and had some, had gas because I hadn't been cooking because I had no, nothing to cook. Um, so boil the, boil some bananas and I had been reading like financial books and, um, realizing that there were things that I did not know about money, which was what had landed me in so much debt. And, um, one of the books that I had been reading was called Think and Grow Rich. And there's tons of, yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. Right. There's tons of examples in there of people who didn't have money, but they use their ingenuity. They use their time and their skills and um, relationships. And they, they put like, they piece things together and became rich over time. And so when I found that bunch of bananas, I was so excited because I said, yes, this is my bottom. I will never be lower than I am at this moment. Thank God I could finally look up. And so I said, since this is my bottom, what a great story. But up. Is it? I don't know. At the time. No, it is. It is. It's a hard. Yeah. yeah. In the moment, you yeah. never believe that there's ever going to be. But you, you realize you, you yeah. made that revelation. You're like, this is it. This only is my end. Right. Only because I had been reading and, like, and I had time to read. Right. Um, so I was like, OK, yes, this is this is my story. This is my bottom. So after we cooked the bananas, um, I was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to call since this is my bottom. What's the next step up? And I called some friends of mine, um, an older couple, who were well off. They were retired, just up the road. And I, I didn't realize that they were in the States for an extended period of time receiving health care healthcare treatment. 
And they said, Eva, go to the house, eat whatever you want, stay as long as you need to. And I ended up staying there, I think, like three months and got back on my feet. I was so grateful. And I was so, um, yeah, I was just excited only because, like you said, I had I had been kind of on this journey and recognized that, okay, um, there's another way for me to live. There is a way for me to live that isn't burnt out and stressed out and, and with no money. And like, there is another way and I was going to figure it out. And so I was going to, I just committed to, you know, learn as much as I could. And yeah, then I said, okay, because I, I finally realized that part of my, what we call like a lack mentality or poverty mentality was, uh, part of that was instilled from the profession of social work. I said, okay, I'm gonna figure this stuff out, how to turn this around, and then I'm gonna go back to the social work community and tell them what I've learned. And so since then, I've created a platform called Rich Social Worker, and um, it's a YouTube channel, it's um, a website, and I, I now coach social workers on how to, you know, improve their money mindset, their wealth mindset, how to, you know, stop blaming the system for not having what they don't have. And, and not just that, but like to, to have, um, like you talk about that self care, that balance. I was so passionate about it. I, I wrote a book. I don't know if you know this, but I, I wrote a book that oh, universities use called how not to practice social work. Oh, that's and awesome. it's the, the whole premise of the book is like, you've got to take care of yourself first right. before you can take care of anyone else and if it means you if it if you don't have the money you can't take care of yourself if you if you are working your yourself to the bone and you're mentally drained you can't take care of yourself like you can't live this life of what i now see as you know abundance and fulfillment like you can't do it right. if you are you know, if you're stressed out, burnt out, and not being you know, focused and intentional on you. Yeah. So there, that's that's my story. That's a that's a great that's a great story. Yeah. So I actually have some some tie-ins, but I I don't know where to go with this, and I, okay. I can go in many different directions. Um, I I actually have this potentially, and I'm I'm debating how I should do it. Um, I'm actually gonna pull it up. I I have I have this like social post that I want to make. Uh -huh. but it opens myself up to tremendous amount of vulnerability. So mm -hmm. this is a quote that I written. It's not exactly the same, but it sort of is. And I just want to know what you're like, I know this is a little bit of a deviation, but at the same time, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting time for, for if anyone's heard my story and I, it's long, but I became dependent on somebody and I basically poured my life into that person because I, uh, after, after a while I was already weak from postpartum depression, um, so I had written this and, um, I would love to get your perspective because this is something that I've always wondered about social workers. How do you separate your, your emotions from your clients is really the question. That's mm -hmm. the, that's the, that's the short version, the TLDR and the longer mm -hmm. version is, and had written this, like, how do you become a good, reliable friend when you are vulnerable? My weakness is getting emotionally invested in people who have emotional issues. I go all in at a, at significant cost. I become addicted to the high I get when I feel like I've helped them and it breaks me. I've lost years of my life to this psychotherapists mm. of the internet, social workers of the internet. How do you deal with this? How do you stay emotionally mm -hmm. detached when you see someone, someone crumbling in front of you? Mm. It's, it's literally how my brand started. So I, I'm kind of curious because you say about like helping yourself. 
how do you mm-hmm. do that when you have to when you when you feel like I mean I guess you can, but how do you how do you how do you do that? How do you avoid yourself from getting that like getting past that, getting emotionally yeah. invested in that way? I'm I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. I know it's a little bit of deviation, but I'm I'm, I'm no, I'm, not I'm really. Professional opinion. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I'll I'll share a little bit of my personal opinion first because yeah, yeah, sure, sure. When I came into social work, <laughs> we we went on a, like a little field trip. This like social work class one hundred and one, and we went on a field trip to the county jail. Now the county jail in Huntsville, Alabama, at the time was relatively nice. Um, you know, like it was not it was not hard labor. It wasn't anything like that. Um, and I went in with my classmate. So maybe there was 12 of us or something. And I was sobbing. Like I was meeting these men and I was I was just sobbing. And my classmates are like, Eva, what's going on with you? And I'm like, this is so bad. Why are they in here? And I was really having a hard time. And I was like, how am I going to do this profession if <laughs> I can't even, you know, just observe what the state of our social systems are without breaking down? And, um, you know, so for me, it's been, it's been a process of learning to appreciate what I can control and what I can't control. And what I, what I tell my students, well, I used to teach what I used to tell my students and what I tell people now is, you know, my name is not Jesus Christ. It's Eva Ford. I am not, a, I'm not anyone's savior. And so, you know, I think what happens is if we're honest with ourselves, it's our ego that wants to or that needs to, right, save people or feel like we are just making this huge difference and without us, this person or the situation can't be resolved. And it's not, it's not to say that we're turning our back on people or on, on causes that we care about, nothing like that. But it is just to recognize that, you know, hey, we, we, all of us in this life, we're all interconnected. There are dynamics at play that we don't necessarily understand. And it's not our responsibility to fix every situation and everyone. We cannot do it. And we do ourselves a disservice first. And when we do ourselves a disservice, then we we ultimately do others a disservice as well and end up... um, circumventing anything that we actually wanted to do in the first place. So we do ourselves a disservice when we, when we overextend ourselves and when we don't prioritize our well-being first. And, you know, one of the, the, another book that I, I read um, called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, he says, you know, um, in essence, he's like, look, you, you can't help people in poverty by and again, this is from the financial perspective, but it could be applied across, you know, different different perspectives. But you can't help people, let's say, in poverty by focusing on poverty or thinking about poverty. You can only help people to come out of that by focusing on where they can be. And the way you do that is you show them. So you have to be that for yourself. Let them see you. You can you can help to guide and direct, but you've got to be the one that's better, right? Better than the better in a better situation than the person that you would like to be the example for. Um, so it's it's been a process. It's definitely been a learning process for me. But I've also had enough experience of going in the opposite direction and trying to help people, and then seeing it 
blow up in my face that it's like, oh, now I know how this situation is going to end. Like, so I know that if I care about you and your situation more than you do, I'm going to be the one that's frustrated and disappointed and burnt out at the end. And you're still going to be there probably complaining about what's not right in your life, but you're also not going to be doing anything differently. So I've learned my lessons. Okay. Yeah. I, I find it hard to, 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 to stop myself. It's, I get, I just, the emotions just, I'm like, I want to, I want to, I don't know. That's why I'm not in, I minored in psychology. I, I definitely yeah. find I'm passionate about it, but I also know that I get carried away. Uh, I guess that's, that's usually how I am. I have this addictive personality. It's why I've never tried smoking. I, yeah. I know that it's funny. I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine and I said, I don't smoke. He's like, you never tried it. And I'm like, I don't know if I could. And he was trying to like say, oh, well, I know I could control myself. I'm like, okay, but that's not me. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah. and, and when, and it, the first time this happened to me is my friend tried to introduce me to somebody who was depressed in college and she knew I was depressed. She's like, you overcame. How can you help her? I became, I latched onto like that depression and I was like, I can help her in so many ways. And then this happened again after, after I had my kids and when I was even like, again, I, I knew I had my guard up because of what happened the first time. But yeah. my guard start. I guess it started falling down because of the depression, the postpartum depression that I was suffering, and then eventually it just like hit itself again. And it's really hard. It's really hard to maintain. You know, it's super. Yeah. Hard. See, see, I don't, I don't approach it with I can help you this way. I approach I can't help you. <laughs> I cannot help you. Only you can help you. I can, you know, listen to you. I can hold space for you. I can empathize. But I can't help you. I can share my experience with you, but I can't help you. As a social worker, I, I know how to find resources of, you know, where to maybe get physical help. So, like, if you need uh, food or a wheelchair or, you know, psychological services, I can maybe help you or point you in the direction of where to get that kind of help. But I, I cannot help you. And it's not my, it's not my job to help you. You have to, you know, what I, like I said, what I can do is hold space for you and hopefully point you in the direction of how you can help yourself or find the strength within yourself or find the answers within yourself because that's that's the best help I can give you to to teach you how to fish for yourself that's the best gift I can give you yeah because then you'll have it yeah yeah good good I just it's hard it's hard I guess for me I just can't figure that out but I'm glad you were able to I'm I'm, like I'm glad there are people out there who know basically set those boundaries that some of us are not strong enough to do, or at least at times we don't have the strength to handle. So it's like, you you know, I guess it's sort of, the reason why I asked it in the context of you saying like, I wasn't taking care of myself. I think there's always places where we feel like we fall. For me, that's my that's my weakness. I don't know if like, but then again, you, you know how to overcome that. I don't think you're gonna be repeating that because you've figured out, you've hit some certain milestones You've read some books, you've empowered yourself, and you've gained the knowledge to avoid those pitfalls. Um, I think it's it di- it's different for all of us in that way. Yeah, I think um, Tony Robbins has a saying, um, you know. I like, I, you, you follow all the people I follow, so I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so you, we don't change anything until it's a must for us to change, right? Until it's so painful for us. 
to change that we we change. And so I I'm I'm hearing you right, and um, I'm I just what just comes up from for me is like there there is something there that you're benefiting from. Um, so even though it it may be painful, the repercussions there's some benefit that you're getting that that outweighs the pain. Um, but again, that's like I'm not a therapist. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and my, my therapist. The problem is when I, and I've seek. I saw there. Those were like the two main main times that I thought I saw uh, therapy. And the problem is that they never quite see it when they see it. Like they see it. They see it when you're you're already so you're hitting your rock bottom. There's no easy way to pull you out of it. It's hard. It's hard. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's. It's it's definitely one of my my one of the biggest challenges of my life is just that kind yeah. of, that particular component. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So you I guess so you talk about like I guess I feel like you're reading and what you're when you what you've absorbed what you've learned the people you surround yourself with in the context of the words that you're reading from them. I assume that there's also the communication, all those things in aggregate are a big part of like that self care and self. Uh, focus that you have talk about talk about how you do that tell me a little bit more about the story um so I just want to be clear on what you're asking in terms of like just my self-care yeah Mm -hmm. so so I mean you you know I think for you mentally you were able to bring yourself out of a rut through reading like Napoleon Hill which is amazing so I but it's not only that like you know the first the first group of people that I've interviewed in the in the context of my of, of the common sense podcast was people women who were runners and most of those most of those women obviously their self-care was running you know like yeah it's it's about wh- what do you do to keep yourself above water how do you focus on yourself how do you give yourself time um for yourself mm-hmm. so um <laughs> a friend of mine while I was in Jamaica right she was also so I was from the U.S. She was from the UK, but both of us had Jamaican roots and we had um, become friends on the island. And I think it was like a Sunday she came to visit me or something. And she was like, so what are you doing tomorrow? And of course, the following day was a work day. And so I was like, oh, I've got papers to grade and I've got, you know, this to do and that to do. I'm, I'm so, got so much to do. I don't even want to think about it. And I said, what are you doing tomorrow on a Monday? And she said, oh, I think I'm going to have a, a pedicure and then I'll probably wash my hair. She has really long locks. And then I'll do, you know, I'll go to the store and get, you know, an afternoon snack or something. And it was just a day of leisure. And I, my mouth literally dropped. And I was like, how, how can you do that on a Monday? I want that life. And she said, you can have it. Very matter-of-factly, like shoulders you know, up, like, yeah, you can have it. And so she said, just, just plan it out. And that was so, uh, such a sticking point for me because I thought, like, I can have it. I can do that. And I, I, from then, I started to think about, okay, if I can have that, what do I have to do to have that? What what steps do I need to take? Like, how long is it going to take? I had no idea how long it was going to take. It took a long time for me because I'm a slow learner. <laughs> but, but, like I said, you know, when we started this conversation, now 
oh my gosh, I can be wherever I want to be. I can work from anywhere. And so what it looked like for me was, you know, having a vision for what I wanted my life to look like. And it's the, the concept of life design is something that I got from a book called The 4-Hour Work Week by oh, Tim Ferriss. Yep, another book I read. Another book, right. Another so, guy I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, the, this concept of life design, and he talks a lot about, you know, automating your life and working online and and actually putting a dollar amount to the things that you want to do. So that means you have to have a clear vision or, or idea of what you want your life to look like, right? And then putting a dollar amount to that. Um, so instead of having a two-week vacation, what if you could create a life where you don't need a vacation from that? And that's what I've been able to create. So self-care for me is my lifestyle. Um, but again, it's something that I've had to build in. And, and I didn't have this for a long time. And I just um, finished doing an interview for, for my YouTube channel, Rich Social Worker. And the, the person that I interviewed talked about how early on she made sacrifices. But now she gets to, you know, have her own practice and buy seven acres up in Massachusetts in the middle of a pandemic and like, you know, do all kinds of things that other people who did not prepare and who weren't intentional about, you know, what they wanted their future to look like, they don't have those options now, right? It doesn't mean that it's too late to start looking at that now, but um, just to answer your question, you know, I, I set my own schedule. Um, I work when I want, which, which usually actually because I like the work that I do, which might mean that I, I might work more than eight hours in a day, but then I might take two entire days off after that. Or, you know, I might only work three days or two days for the week. You know what I mean? So um, it's, I, I, I really believe in this lifestyle design, especially going back to my mom who passed away at 42 and didn't have the opportunity, didn't have the chance. In fact, she worked until she couldn't work anymore because she was too sick. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to work because I have to work to pay a medical bill. And, you know, God bless her. She was doing her best, you know, um, it was the eighties. So, um, but even my dad just, just, he's 84 and he just stopped working because of the pandemic. And again, not because he, you know, retired, you know, with a big send off, but because, there was a pandemic. Yeah. And, um, so I'm just like, yeah, that is not going to be me. I do. I refuse. And I think that's what it, it, it comes down to. Right. People have to decide that they they are important enough and their well-being comes first. Even before your kids, before your partner, before your work, you have to put yourself First, I don't care what that is. Think back to you know what you were doing or what you wanted to do when you were a kid. Um, have fun, like I don't know, be ruthless and relentless about you know what this what a, a life that you want to live, what that looks like for you, and plan it out. Like get there, you know, make make decisions, strategize, get around people who are already doing that and figure out what they're doing to do that. You know, I don't know, it might mean um, investing more in your 401k. I don't know, it might mean um, getting a second job. Like, I don't know what it, what the path is for everybody, but 
you know, my path was, um, you know, online business. Yeah, awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Cool. So to that end, you probably have some interesting answer. I have one usual final question that I don't warn people about in advance because I'd love uh-huh. to hear the prop. But you seem to have answers. You might even have the answer there. Uh, <laughs> if you can give an earlier version of yourself a piece of advice, what would you tell her? So I have many earlier versions of myself. Um, and I'm, a, I'm an ENFP. So if, for people who know Myers-Briggs, MBTI, yeah. Um, that's not so, me. That's, that's something I can't relate to you on. <laughs> you cannot? I, well, no, I, I, I am like INFP or INFJ. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't remember. I, I, I always write it down because it changes, but... Mm -hmm. let me find out yeah so uh as an enfp i don't have a problem like letting loose um so as far as self-care goes i think i've i've always been someone to look for the fun um but i you know my story i would have said hey earlier version of eva you need to like learn about money and you need to learn just how to how to be smart with money money management learn some higher level concepts about money learn how it works not just what they tell you in the bank um, but really kind of dig into financial awareness and I think it's good advice for everyone because you know if you have money then you can you know self-care better and you can give to causes and things that you care about and you can you know just yeah support the people that you care about and love like I think understanding how money works is an advantage even if you don't use that knowledge so like I learned how to drive a stick shift um and I love I love driving stick shift but I learned how to drive a stick shift because I said, if I know how to drive a stick, I can drive anything else. And yeah, so <laughs> that's why I feel like, you know, understanding money is like learning how to drive a stick shift. Because if you understand money, then, you know, it makes everything else just that much easier. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Where can we, and, I, and it's also outside your comfort zone. It's amazing to like do stuff like that. So yeah, true. Yeah. So, so where can we find you? Yeah, so um, for people that love Instagram, my Instagram is Rich Social Worker, and it's not a pretty Instagram. That's not where my <laughs> that's not where I do all the editing. I do all of the the publications over on RichSocialWork.com and um, YouTube.com forward slash Rich Social Worker as well. And and here's the thing: I don't talk about social work on the channel. I talk about business, I talk about entrepreneurship, I talk about having a wealth mentality, I talk about, you know, self-care and, and empowerment, and um, I talk about things that hopefully will make people who see themselves as contributors, you know, hopefully it also sheds light on the fact that they are worthy and deserving as well, and, you know, some of the things that they can do just to give themselves an advantage. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been really enlightening. I'm glad you're 
picked yourself up from what was clearly a rough spot and you put yourself in a position of like, you know, you know all the right people. And I, it, it really, you know, one thing I would just want to share that it does wonders for your, for the way you feel. It's like those books, I know people are adverse to reading, but like those books make you feel better as a person and usually it manifests in your actions. So, you know, I want people to get that takeaway as well, that it might actually benefit you to read these things. It, it brings, it puts you in a mint like I have read it during my depression I read the secret I read thinking grow rich during Mm -hmm. my depression and um it puts you in a better place obviously you have to sustain that I I, eventually I fell again while Mm -hmm. I was depressed but like those moments were really really brought me into this place where I was like this is this is extraordinarily important so uh Mm -hmm. that's that's what I would like to say surround yourself with those voices and I promise you eventually there will be a time where you'll say yeah I should have listened Absolutely. 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 Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Eva. That was, this has been great. You're welcome. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time, 